Hello, A3 Nation, and welcome back to Ask an Alum with your host, Tierra M. Davis. Today, I'm back with a Just Finance episode focusing on the financials of your undergraduate experience and the impact it has post-degree. Y'all, I'm coming. Actually, it's not me today. It's I have a guest. Anyways, in college, we spend a lot of time selecting a major, choosing an advisor, applying for internships, and study abroad programs. But... You know, I don't remember expending the same amount of energy or effort understanding the financials behind loans. You just kind of sign and then you show up. So I didn't, with loans, with credit cards, no real conversation about what's really happening when we're signing off on all of these additional financial or monetary, I don't even know the word that I'm looking for. But when you're signing on extra debt, I do find, not even fondly, but I do remember one conversation and it taught me a valuable lesson. So picture this, it's the end of my senior year, senior week. If, you, if you've never experienced senior week, it's a time where there's lots of festivity, lots of fun. Sometimes you remember things, sometimes you don't, but it was time for me to go to loan counseling or something like that. I don't remember the name. You basically sit down with a student financial services aide and they walk you through your loan. Shorty was like, (laughs) they tell you how much you owe and then you sign a paper promising to pay it back. So she was like, you owe this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and that, and that, and this, and that, and that. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You know, that's my thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How could you let me borrow this much? Like, I thought we was friends. I was, I didn't really know her. I've seen her kind of smoking a cigarette every now and then. And I'm sorry if I'm outing you. I don't think I am. But like, I was just like, why would you all do this to me? I thought we were friends. Like, why would you, why would you make me, not even make me, but how come no one told me anything? And so I just couldn't wrap my mind around, how am I supposed to pay this back and then live and then take care of home? Cause you know, the people want their money right then and there. And and at the time I owed about $33,000. And so for someone who's the highest bill I've ever paid is like maybe like, $120 for a cell phone bill or something like that. So jump out the gate with like your first bill is like 33K. That's, that is overwhelming. And I was tight. I'm like, you know what? This ain't cool. I can't believe y'all, y'all let me do this. I, I can't believe that. So, but the lesson here is powerful. You know, I should have understood and I, and I, and I guess I was young, but like, now I know Like I'm responsible for learning about my money. I'm responsible for understanding what I'm signing my name to, uh, what that means, what the interest rate means and all of those things. Like I, I needed to have made that a priority. I just didn't understand that at the time. And now I'm coming into understanding when I'm signing my name and my social security and all those things for like all of these financial aspects that I'm taking on, I need to slow down and read the fine print of like, all right, if this is too good to be true, where the loopholes at? Like, run run through all of the, like, you get this and you get this and you get the t- t-shirt and you get the cup. What about that? What about that That clause in there? That's what I want. That's what I want to talk about. And so it's taking me some time to do that. And my guest today really uncovers not even the hidden truths because it's there, but it's kind of like, they just don't want you, they don't want you to know the real. So my guest today, Tracy, a graduate of SUNY New Paltz, chronicles her journey of accumulating debt in undergrad and learning the skills to become financially free. So um, what I did was I spliced her interview into two parts because it's, it's a lot of content. Here is part one.
can you talk about your relationship with money as an undergrad? Okay. Well, I didn't have a relationship with money. Um, like many um, of our generation, um, my mother, you know, I was a child of a single mom. Um, I am an immigrant from Ghana and South America. So I came when I was about 13 and money was never something I had to think about or my mom never really talked to me about it. She never took me to get my first bank account, nothing. So when I started college, um, I didn't have any, I didn't have a clue. And so I got into debt because I just wanted that t-shirt. I just wanted that cup. Um, whatever little giveaways they were they had on campus, because a lot of the credit card companies like Discover was one of the major ones at that time, would come onto campus in the student union building and everyone would be laid out and you know, and you know, ignorant me would just go ahead and put actually put down my real social security number. And then the card comes in the mail. And you don't have an understanding of interest. You don't have an understanding. You're just paying the minimum and not realizing that that's not going to get you out of your debt. So I had no education at all as an undergrad. See, I thought that was a myth. Like I've heard about, you know, or you oh, see no. on movies where they, the credit card companies, they come and they're giving out free pizza and these things. So when I got to college, I was looking for those people and I was like, they're not going to get me. <laughs> Right? And they yeah. were to be found. So I'm like, maybe yeah. they do them at big schools. Well, no. Well, my, I went to a state school, New, uh, New Paltz, in um, upstate New York. I did not, um, it was just one of those things whenever they had, uh, when school was starting. So usually that first, second week, when you're all starting to come, you're coming back to campus or you're starting for the first time. And they had, you know, different activities going on. And one of those was the credit card people, at least three major ones at the time. And Discover was one because I, that's the one I remembered the most. And, um, but it was usually, you know, here's a t-shirt, a, a, a mug. I was actually just telling my husband that I should have kept that darn mug for the rest of my life as a reminder of this is what got me into debt of like, $2,000, which at that time, back in 1995-ish, was a lot of money. Now it's like $20 almost, but that was a lot of money back then to an 18, 19-year-old college student. Now starting out, don't have a clue. So yeah, no, it was definitely not a myth. Um, I think maybe when you started, they found other ways of doing it. You know, maybe it's through your through your email, through um, other other types of means, but people still get into debt because, unfortunately, if your parents are not the kind to teach you about it, then you are blind. You know, and I think that's still happening, even though we have all the technology that we have. People are not, you know, picking up and and learning on their own. Um, and unfortunately, that's what I, through that mistake, I had to educate myself and learn on my own because everyone around me had debt and no one, you know, I would have friends who had like eight credit cards and most of them were, um, cards from the department stores like Aeropostale, like, you know, the places we would go to the mall. No one really had like a 
I had the Discover card. So th that was Discover. You had Visa. But um, everyone was just going for more of the store credits because you were shopping in the store. And so they'd be like, oh, you could get 20% off if you just sign up for a card. Victoria's Secret. You know, they just know how to get you. You can get this percent off and that percent off. But is the percentage, you know, getting the percentage off, is it worth the percentage you're going to pay in interest by not paying that balance off, you know? So some people still see that as I want the, I want to get the sale, but sometimes the sale actually doesn't equate to the interest and things you would, you know, you would use to actually pay something off. If, if you're not able to pay it off in within that month that you made that purchase, then that 20%, 15% that you got off was meant nothing. I think one of the greatest lessons that I've learned is like nothing is, when it comes to money, nothing is ever really free. There's right. going to be a tax. It's either they're going to get their money now or they're going to get their money later. Yes. But, but it's definitely coming. It's going to hit you where it hurts. Yes. Um, I know that Fiona and I just learned a really good lesson about um, asking really solid questions when it comes to free things. Like, you know, if it's too yeah. good to be true, usually yeah. there's a loophole and then 50,000 other loopholes that you're just not seeing because that free sign is like what really right. hits us. Yeah. And it's, it's trying to decrowd your brain from all the things that are coming at you. It's, it's um, unfortunately with like the debt, I didn't get out of the debt until I got out of college and I was in college for five years because I, did, I just didn't want to leave. It was just <laughs> one of those things. I wasn't really ready to go. Um, but when I did, um, I was, what start, what helped me and I will forever be loyal to Capital One. Um, without the secure, they sent me a secure card with $200 as my credit limit back in when I was 22 when I graduated. So that was uh, 1999. And that's how I rebuilt my credit. Um, and I paid off, I called, I reduced payments, um, reduced my, tried to get my balance down with Discover. And I had one other card that I cannot remember now, but I still have the receipts for those two, because it's really important for me to remember how far I've come. Mm -hmm. So I still have the receipts that I paid those off, even though they're no longer showing up on my credit because of time. But it's a, a strict reminder for me that this is what you had to go through in order to get to where you are now. So I have to have that reminder. It's in my safe somewhere, you know, but it, it's, it's something that I want to pass on to my daughter and show her this is how bad mommy cred mommy's credit was. And I keep it as a reminder that I never want to get back to that place of having a 500 and something credit score or of being scared of seeing or looking up your credit. Even that, some people don't even want to see it because the numbers. Right. Looking at the number, it can depress you. And that's a lot of people get into depression about their finances. Um, and I did. I know I did. Um, but Capital One gave me the opportunity with that $200. And literally, that saved my credit life. And I slowly but surely 
would buy one or two things and pay it off. As I started to teach myself and learn, just looking online, reading books at the library, because of course the internet wasn't as big as it is now. Um, and eventually got to, I started going to the credit reporting agency websites because they're not there to scare you. They do have educational opportunities there to learn about your credit and how important it is that if you pay something off, you wanna make sure it, it says it's paid. You have a responsibility, they're not gonna do it. You can't necessarily depend on your former creditor to take care of that fully. Now, most of them will, but a lot of them, it, it either falls through the cracks or something, but it's important for you to go there and, and do that soft look mm -hmm. and check to make sure that that payment you made, that it should say zero. Um, it should say paid off or paid, or if you're paying, you make an agreement, it should say pays, pays as agreed. You know, not, um, it should not still be delinquent. Um, and stop having people look at your credit and you are in control of that. You can say, I don't want any inquiries. You know, you, you have control of that and it's really taking control of it. Um, and like I said, then eventually I got my, uh, my limit increased after yeah, Capital One. Before we go, because yeah. I feel like we can like talk so much about your credit and I do yeah, want yeah, to yeah. that. Um, can sure. we um, tackle, just like backtrack a little bit? So yeah, sure. first I want to know how were you able to finance your degree? So was it okay. all loans, all scholarships, a mix? And then I want to- um, It was a combination of the grants, like the Pell Grant in New York. Um, and um, my financial aid was mainly grants and loans. Okay. Um, again, my mother, she was in debt herself that I didn't find out until I asked her to do a parent plus loan, which she did not qualify for. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I realized that she, that there was an issue and she did not qualify enough to be able to get a parent plus loan for me, um, to go to school. And so I had to make a decision then, do I let that stop me from getting my education? Um, or do I say, okay, I'm going to have this debt, I'm going to get my education, and then I'm going to figure out a way to pay it off afterwards, you know? So how much was that? Um, when I graduated college, I had about 24,000-ish, because I went to a state school, so it wasn't as much as if someone went to a private um, school and um, my payment used to be two twenty three ninety eight. I want to say again, those numbers stick with you. Well, for some people, they stick with them. No, mine is um, seventy two seventy three. <laughs> oh well, that, <laughs> there you go. Yes. So then I um, one of the things they offered was the they'll drop your interest by 1% if you have it directly drafted out of your account. So taking advantage of those, you know, that's one thing. Um, knowing the difference between your subsidized and your unsubsidized loans, right? And, and I don't think, um, I learned about that while I was at college. I tried my best not to get too many of the unsubsidized ones because the interest on that is higher than it is on the subsidized loans. So even looking at that, you know, and knowing um, 
maybe you have to get another job to help pay for your supplies or something. But I was lucky enough to get into the um, educational opportunity program. So that gave me a stipend at the beginning of each semester. And that covered all of my books and school supplies. So I didn't have to take out a loan for that stuff, right? Um, so the loans were really just tuition, room and board, um, which oh, I only paid. Yeah. So I mean, well, it's EOP, it's different for state schools and for private schools, it's HEOP. Right, but it's still EOP. It's, it's, it's basically almost the same thing. Um, you basically, when you start college, you have a separate EOP counselor. Right. You have your regular um, undergrad um, academic counselor. So with EOP, we had a six-week summer program. I know about that one, yeah. Before I actually started school. Okay. Which was great because it helped with acclimation to the campus and the various buildings. You got to take all of your, um, what are the pre-classes called again? Prerequisites. Prerequisite, like the placement classes. But so did that you we took you about financial literacy? Like, did you, did you have any conversations? There? No, not there. Not with the we were. I'm sorry, say that again. Not with an EOP at all. Like, there was never a conversation about... You're gonna have this much loans. This is how you pay it off. Well, I wouldn't. I don't recall that. Okay. Um, I recall us taking certain um, courses to help us in the beginning of college. Um, critical thinking was one. Um, learning, um, even doing some of the like the exams for math placement for the major subject placements. Um, but I don't remember them talking a whole lot about the end of things it was we're gonna get the stipend that's gonna take care of blah 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 here are how you can earn money like you know using work study so they did discuss financial aid not necessarily um any financial counseling during your tenure at school um so i think unless you went to seek that out from someone you unfortunately and maybe they're doing it differently now you know i went to school a long time ago god it's been 20 20 plus years but um but i still appreciated the program because it did teach me a lot um and when we actually started college we didn't really feel like freshmen because we spent six whole weeks at the school and we really got to really um develop a knowledge we got to meet some of the professors we'd be we of the classes that we would be taking um and it was good to have a separate counselor as well because your academic counselor cares about your academics your eop counselor cares about your whole life so not just your academics how is how are things at home how are you doing emotionally or socially things like that. So that was really, really helpful um, because I was a, you know, a child of a single mom. And then my mom did have my brother um, by marriage um, after I had come here, come up to, came to the U.S. And, but I had, you know, between my parents, I was like the only child for quite a while until I was about 10 years old or so. And, um, so I was felt by myself and I'm an introvert. Um, college helped to blossom me for sure, but all through high school and middle, um, junior high and 
high school, very much an introvert. Um, so even talking and expressing myself about things that I thought I wanted to talk about, like finances, like the credit cards, like, you know, I would have to, you know, I heavily relied on my EOP counselor. So that's why I would talk to her about the banking stuff. And that's where I got my first banking account was at college. Wow. Um, again, my mom didn't take me to the bank and just open a little, you know, account for me to start teaching me how to do what to do with money. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but no, there was no real education as far in EOP as far as um, what things would look like, you know, like the debt you're taking on. There was stress on trying to get more grants versus right. taking out loans, but EOP was like, you're the kind of student that you were a great student, you did great academically, but you couldn't afford to go to college. And that was the whole point of that program. So, um, you, you had to make a choice. Were you going to not go to college or were you going to, because you couldn't afford it, or were you just going to go and deal with the consequences later? Right. I think um, earlier you said something about, you know, sometimes they get you with the credit cards and yes. they may have wiped it away, but then there's like a covert way, um, like big, I, I don't even want to say big companies or the government, but yeah. when you come from like working class backgrounds and you don't have any way of paying for financing this education, that student yeah. loan is another way of like entering another kind of credit card situation. Yes. Um, so my question for you is, once you were able to graduate, first off, how were you able to wrap your mind around paying that back? And like, what was your first, like how, yeah, how, but let me just backtrack. How were you <laughs> yeah. able to wrap your mind around paying that back? Um, what was your first job? Was um, so um, I paid it back a couple of ways. Um, luckily, there were some, I went ahead with your payments usually start six months after you graduate college. So if you don't have a job, then you're, you go into, oh, I need to push it back and to go into forbearance. Um, but I started temping um, um, at a job. I was an administrator. I've always been um, in administration, but I wanted to be an interior designer. And I knew for sure if I could get myself situated as, as an interior designer, I'd be able to get a job eventually high paying enough to tackle that. However, it's New York competition. It was always me and someone else. Um, and I'm not playing the race card, but I, um, I know that I speak well. And if you talk to me on the phone, you may not necessarily know that I'm black. So I would have phone interviews and then I would go to the in-person, which would be my second interview and do well, be told I did well, check in like I'm supposed to every two weeks, that kind of thing. And I said, well, it's between you and someone else, that kind of thing. And so it did discourage me. Um, and again, I didn't have a lot of people around me motivating me to, to keep pushing through that. So I relied heavily on the administrative. I knew how to type, I knew how to do phones, I knew how to um, use copiers and things like that. So that was my, sorry, the light keeps changing because there's a window here. I didn't even um, notice. You're probably wondering what's going on. Um, and so I, once I started working, I would pay as much as I could. Um, and the great thing is you can prepay. So there's no penalty for prepaying. 
Um, and I was living on my own at one point, but then I decided I need to go live with someone else to help with my bills because living on my own, I was never going to be able to pay that thing off. Um, or to even just, um, be able to really survive in New York, especially because everything explain, is so expensive. Can you explain what paying as much as I could mean? So what are you paying? Like double extra the payments. Amount? Oh, yeah, extra not, okay. well, I could never do double. That's okay. for sure. Okay. But an extra $50, an extra hundred dollars, okay. those, you might, they might seem minute to some people, but in the long term of things, um, that can be a positive thing for you. Um, and you could even say, you could even call up the school, the, um, who did I have at the time? Um, I'm trying to remember who my loans were with Sally Mae. It was with Sally Mae. And so I would call Sally Mae, um, and say, okay, I need to, I want most of my payments to go to the unsubsidized, you know, or to tackle some of that interest. You can do things like that. Um, you can call and it's just all about communication. Um, now I didn't quite pay all of it off. Maybe I was about a third or so before I moved to Georgia and I was living with my mom and I paid my mom, I paid rent to my mom, but I continue to pay on my student loans. I pretty much was able to, because I was living with her and I wasn't paying extra, you know, I was paying about $500 a month in rent. The rest of it basically went to paying off those cards I told you about, right? And I got those paid off. I was able to then get a car, but when I got the car, it was a 13% interest per month. Now why? Because of my bad credit, but it's still, I was it's still able to get the car. But um, because I needed a car moving to Georgia, there was just no, I worked for two years, walked from my mom's house to the bus station, then took it to the train, then took the train to my job. It's an hour and a half, three hours every day for two years. So after a while that graded on me, I had to go and get the driver's lesson and, and learn. But um, I just tried to stay really focused. I, did, I, don't have chill, I didn't have children at the time. I wasn't going out like crazy because I didn't have a car. So I really was just making extra payments whenever I could. So even if it was, two or three times a month that I was just throwing some money at it. Even if it was an extra $50, I found that, oh, I don't really need it because I started learning how to budget on a spreadsheet with all my bills. Um, because yeah, there was a time I was afraid to look and see what I was actually paying out every month versus my paycheck. And then also trying to build some kind of a retirement fund too because I started learning about the importance of that. I ended up working in, in the insurance field. So I learned a lot about finances there too. Um, a lot about um, preparing for the future because you know, you'd have a guy who has a wife who was a stay-at-home mom and they have like three kids and he's the only breadwinner. If he died, how is she and the, how is she and the kids surviving? Um, I learned about brokerage accounts and non-brokerage accounts and things like that. So where were you learning this? Um, I worked for a guardian life insurance company oh, okay. agency in New York. And then um, when I moved to Georgia, I applied to um, an agency of guardian here in Georgia and was able to get a, jo a job. And so I was an um, 
a new business administrator. So when you apply for insurance, right, for life insurance, the application comes to me. I process it, order your exams um, and things like that, and then see it all the way through to the policy. So when the policy comes into me, I check that everything that was requested, and that was, that was my job for quite a while. Um, so I worked for them for a total of five years. And then I built, they did not match retirement, but I still contributed and I had John Hancock. Um, so when I left there, I had saved up about $2,400. Do they have a but loan now, forgiveness if, program? If they had a loan forgiveness program? No. Okay. No, because that's, it's insurance. It's not, um, you know, it's, it, it's not one of those careers where you can have a, um, a for, you know, like if you're a teacher or right. like an educator or you worked in the military um, or things like that. So I'm still paying, right? And then um, I decided, even though I still have this, I want to get my master's degree. And I went ahead. I did a 19-month um, a program with the University of Phoenix Atlanta campus because um, I, I need to be in class. I'm not I can do the online thing fully. My last three classes were online. That wasn't too bad. Um, but and we didn't have to see each other, which is great. <laughs> we didn't do Zoom. Um, and then that wrapped up, that added too, because I did not work for a company that had a loan forgiveness program. Now I had one or two other of my colleagues in class that did. So they were able to, they had to prepay all of their tuition but then they would send the bill into their company and then they would reimburse them. So they were, that was lucky for them. I didn't let that discourage me from getting my second degree because I wanted it. I, I wanted it by the time I was 30. So I was 30 in my last few classes. Um, that was my personal goal. Um, and so I just continued paying. So it then racked up to 50 something thousand by the time I was done. In addition um, to what you had already from undergrad? Yes, it was a combination of mm -hmm, okay. combination of the two. Okay. So um so I just continued to pay and like I said, making those extra payments. Um unfortunately during that time my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Um I was living with her at the time. So you know I'm trying to do school and help her go to appointments and things like that. Um, she did not survive. She passed away in 2008. Um, but we had done some, because of my um, involvement in insurance, I made her, um, I had basically paid for her to do a, a life insurance policy back when I first moved when I was 25. Um, so at 25 years old, I had already got into debt with the credit cards and pulled myself out of it. Um, learned about life insurance, learned about retirement, and really tried to participate in as much as possible. Um, but I made her get a life insurance policy because my brother, I'm 13 years older than my brother. So when she passed away, he was 17. And so he was going to need money to go to college. Um, he was going to, and luckily we, we did this a year and a half before she was diagnosed. Now, most people should know if you have cancer, you're not going to get life insurance policy if you do it after. So it has to be done. And the younger you are insurance life-wise, the better. You don't want to wait till you're turning the next age. 
So if your birthday was three months ago, now's the time to apply. If you wait another three months, it's going to be your next age. Um, so people don't even know things like that. Your, the difference in premium you might pay between year 35 and year 36, age 35 and age 36, could be significant for you and your finances. So, um, so we did that and she left some money for him to go to college um, and she left some money for me to take care of her estate. And there was money there for me too. So instead of, um, it was a sad situation of course, but instead of me taking that money and going to live the high life, I paid off my student loans with the rest of that. All of it? All of it. Wow. All of it. Okay. Yes, I could have taken that money and done different things. Um, and by then I had also paid off, I did pay off my car too. I paid my car off within three years of the, um, I didn't have a life, literally. I paid my, my car note was a six year term, right? And I paid it off within three years because I didn't want I didn't want that dragging. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to, and my mother kept telling me, well, you can get my house when I die. I said, I don't want your home. Um, and the reason I say that is I wanted to know, based on all the stuff I went through before, that I alone, having rebuilt my credit, having done those things, can go and get my own place on my own. I don't want it to be that someone said, oh, you got this from your mother or you got this from, and she's the one that taught me to be that independent. So when she said, well, you can just go, I said, no, you told me, you taught me how to go and get for me, go and, and take care of things for myself. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, so yeah, so I, I saw, so you could say I paid off about half, a little bit more than half of undergrad on my own. And then couple the, the, the other half and, um, and um, the master's program, that's what my, my mother leaving money to me, I took that money and paid off, paid that off. So um, you already developed the discipline of like, because earlier you were saying, you know what, um, mm -hmm. whenever I have a little bit of extra money, I'm just going to throw that on my loan. So whether it's $50, $100, whatever, right. I, that I'm, I'm going to do that. So I'm curious, yes. do you save the same way? So after you were able to eliminate the credit card debt, the yes. loan debt, do you just kind of, or do you have like a savings plan? Like how does that discipline look? Or is okay. it similar? So um, it started out, you know, very, I didn't really have a plan. So okay. I had to figure out what my plan was going to be. Um, so I knew I wanted to buy a house. Um, but I actually, I'm sorry. I did buy a house before my mom passed away. I was able to do that on my own. I, because I didn't have the car note anymore. That's how I qualified with the student loan. So I had a job and my loan to debt ratio was now better because I paid the car off. If I had not paid the car off, I would not have qualified for a loan for a home. Um, and so I decided to just create a basic spreadsheet um, listing my, all of my expenses. I put them in categories. Because I'm a very creative person, I have to colorize it because otherwise looking at black and white is boring. I'm not going to be interested. I made it a point to myself and put it on the calendar every first of the month. You're going to go into your budget spreadsheet 
give it a name that's fun. You know, something that you're like, oh yeah, I want to go look at this. Um, and I basically, I have my payment, my pay at the top, right? And the date of my payments, I used to get paid every, you know, bi-weekly. So I'd have the bi-weekly, the tabs on the bottom of the spreadsheet for each, you know, half of the month, every two weeks. And how am I going to split that out? What's important and basically prioritizing what needs to be paid and when. Also, if certain dates of my of um, my bills were not good for me based on how I got paid, then I tried to work with the bill with the, to move the, and change the date. Like your cell phone. I don't need that to come the first of the month. I need it on my second pay, paycheck because my first paycheck is to pay my mortgage or for whoever's renting is to pay your rent. You don't want to have to knock at someone's door and telling them, can I come live with you because I was not able to pay my mortgage or my rent. That's one lesson that I will teach any and everybody. I don't care if you don't have lights. I don't care if you don't have heat. I don't care if you don't have AC. Don't ha you shouldn't have to go knocking at anybody's door. Make it a priority that your rent or your mortgage is paid. Make it a priority that if you have a job, that car note has to be paid. That's You have to have that gas money put aside. So you have to know, okay, I drive 19 miles. And, um, so I drive, is it? Yeah, 19 miles each way to work every day. So you can, there are calculators online to tell you how much gas that would take, that would cost for you per week for a month. So you set aside, if it's $200, then it's, that's my gas, that's how much I pay in gas a month. Um, because I'm driving every day. Now that I'm working from home, I haven't had to pay it, so it's been great. That concludes our podcast episode for this week. Thanks for listening, and please, please share with a friend or colleague. Until next time, when you spot an alum, ask them about their journey.